Hello, my fine friends. Thank you for choosing my podcast to listen to. We're powered by ACAS Plus. You can join uh, ACAS Plus if you want to get lots of bonuses. Google Rahalastapa and ACAS Plus and you'll get right there. There's lots of fun stuff to get. Um, Rahalastapa tour is nearly over. 21st of March, I'm at Bedford Corn Exchange. I'm talking to Olaf Falafel, who's a very funny children's author and stand-up comedian, and Al Murray, the pub landlord and historian man. And a friend of mine, uh, it should be fantastic, who went to Bedford, went to school in Bedford. It should be amazing. There's plenty of tickets left for that one. Uh, Glasgow on the 27th and Hull on the 28th. They're both sold out, but do keep checking the sites for returns. And uh, occasionally we put some comps back on sale, so there may be a chance to buy tickets. The main thing, though, is that I am going to be on tour doing stand-up, and I would love you to come. Uh, it's uh, from... It starts officially in May, but so uh, there's a few tryouts in April and March. So I'm at the Bill Murray. I'm at um, various places, Luton Hat Factory and uh, the Berry Hedge End. I don't even know where that is before going into a big tour where I'm going all over the place. It's selling in various degrees. Glasgow sold out. They've added an extra date. Uh, Chorley sold out, joined the waiting list. Uh, but a lot of the others have plenty of tickets. So... Do go and come to see that. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour for all those tour dates. RichardHerring.com slash Rahalastapa for the remaining Rahalastapa dates. And uh, yeah, and then I'm going to take a little break from doing Rahalastapas. It'll be nice. We've got loads in the bank. Uh, so I hope you're enjoying them. I think there's some very high quality ones from this tour. Uh, so do keep listening. Do keep telling your friends. RichardHerring.com for all your Richard Herring needs. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another Rahalastapa. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mmm, check out my lentils. Mmm, nice. Welcome to another... Going to have to go and look at the video if you listen to this on audio and see what I was pointing at. Um, welcome to another episode of Rahalastapa, this week in Leicester once again with the wonderful Grace Petrie. Fascinating chat with her uh, and I think you're going to enjoy it. If you like these things, why not come and see one live, my friends? What the hell are you doing sitting at home watching it and listening to it, you idiots? Come out to the theatre. Uh, we're not doing anything till March and April 2020 as it stands, but I will be in back at the Leicester Square Theatre. These make great Christmas gifts as well, tickets. Uh, we're also going to the Birmingham Podcast Festival on March the 28th. And we're in Norwich doing two shows in April. Go to richtrain.com slash gigs. Birmingham and Norwich are selling very, very fast. Um, so book ahead if you want to come and see those. Norwich is nearly sold out. Go to gofasterstrike.com and you can buy emergency questions books. You can buy Rahalastapa Top Trumps 
All the money from that will go to funding more podcasts. You can buy my DVDs and my downloads. You can buy stuff from other fantastic comedians as well. Go to richchain.com slash gigs or runnerslipper.co.uk. Why not become a member finally? Spend £3 a month and get all those fantastic extras, backstage videos, and just the peace of mind that you are helping us make more podcasts. That's what all your money's going on, just making more content for you. I think 2020 is going to be a big year, my friends, my fine friends. Anyway, let's sit back, relax, and enjoy with Grace Petrie. It's behind the table. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Haymark Theatre. Unless we came back for a second uh, week. We liked it so much. And look, if it isn't the second week, how come he's wearing different clothes? That, there, wouldn't be possible. It's Richard Herring. Just twisted my leg. I just twisted my leg. So I'm going to carry on through the pain. I, uh, I did. I, I went to my personal trainer. I've got a personal trainer. Uh, I went. I did, I did a personal training session earlier today, and uh, yeah, that really fucking hurt. And luckily, I'm sitting down mainly. Uh, so welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Goers podcast. Uh, we just got together the most square people in Leicester. And uh, they're coming to see the theatre, see what they see how they get on. It's another insult to you. Uh, <laughs> genuinely, um, someone uh, bought tickets to this show thinking it was at the Leicester Square Theatre. So someone, someone may have got those tickets. <laughs> I was hanging out at Richard III's tomb uh, today, earlier today, and the ghost of Richard III came out of the tomb. And after saying it was, it was disgusting that he was buried in the place he was murdered, and that's just insane. So what's that's so offensive to me. I'm from York. Why am I not in York? It's like it's a punishment to me. People have less disgust me. Uh, he said he calls it relish. He said, he said, can I have a sandwich? I said, you have to wait half an hour. He said, it's fine. I'm happy to, happy to wait. Uh, I didn't get too many Leicester fans. I used to, used to like to check the local papers uh, usually, but in Le- the Leicester Mercury is not amusing. I have to say, the news is... News in Leicester is not an, uh, not an amusing topic. Let's leave that behind. Uh, I did find out some facts about Leicester. Uh, one fact. In 1841, Thomas Cook created the first package tour from Leicester, uh, which was a train from Leicester to Loughborough, which is... <laughs> I guess the thinking behind that was we'll send people to the only place in the world that is worse than Leicester so they won't complain about living in Leicester anymore. That is the only thing I can think of. I say that on someone who grew up. 160 Leicester Road, Loughborough. I used to live at when I was four to eight, near the Ladybird factory. Who remembers the Ladybird Books factory in Loughborough? Yeah, not there anymore, is it? Well, it's there, but it's not a Ladybird Book factory, is it? <laughs> trying to give you some <laughs> local material. So, um... <laughs> Loughborough, amazing. It was great in Loughborough. Anyone know my best friend from Cobden School in Loughborough, Satish Patel? Anyone know him? It's weird, it's really difficult to find him on uh, Google. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of potential people it could be. He's my best friend. If you're out there, Satish, I'd love to see you again. We had great friends, he was a lovely guy. Be like 52 now, it's hard to believe, isn't it? It's, it's a little boy, he was a little boy. <laughs> really can't get my head around time. So, um, anyway, my guest this week is probably best known for her appearance on The Chase which is all I'm going to talk to her about. 
Will you please welcome Grace Petrie, ladies and gentlemen. She's from Leicester. She's one of yours. She's from Leicester. Come in. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? Very well, thank Good. you. Yes. This is your you love. The chase. Yeah, the chase. Yeah, you could have gone for the weakest link as well. You've been on the weakest link as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've got so it's much to all, talk mate. about. We've got so much yes. to talk I've about. I've lost a variety of questions. <laughs> you were on the chase as a civilian, though, not as a celebrity <laughs> chase. Uh, you're a yes. civilian chase. I'm not, yeah, I don't think I. <laughs> you're a celebrity. Celebrity chase is now not available cele- to me, I don't yeah, think. I think it is. I've okay, seen, well, have you seen right. some of the celebrities they have on that thing? I'm quite offended. I've not been asked that. I've been on tipping point now. Have you? Did you, not, did you, did you, you win? Talk, did you find your to, tipping point? Not allowed. I was up against a woman from Love Island, I think. Oh, okay. And uh, a guy who was in the Crow Road, he's thinking he's been in something more famous than that. He, he, he won uh, Strictly Come Dancing or whatever it's called. Okay. Do you know who I'm talking about? Anyone managed to work that out from those two clues? Well, you, you wouldn't do very well on the chase, would you? <laughs> you might do all right on tipping point. They do multiple choices, it's easy. So, uh, well, how did you get on the chase? Well, uh, who, who was the chaser? Uh, the governess, okay, Anne Hegarty. Yeah. yeah, got a signed photo of her. <laughs> Too good. Uh, did you was get... given, didn't ask for. <laughs> <laughs> no offence to her. Found it when I was moving out. <laughs> it's like, what to do with that? Um, yeah, up against the governess, Anne he- Hegarty. Made it to the final oh, chase. But I did not win any money. But oh. um, I, the, I think the best thing I got out of the chase... Yeah was um, when I was uh, obsessively searching Twitter for people talking about the chase on the day that I was on the chase. There was a question about Orange is the New Black. Right. And I got it in the final chase, and my teammate, who'd been doing much better than me, didn't know what it was, and I, and I knew what it was. And somebody just tweeted, uh, LOL, the gay on the chase <laughs> knew the answer to that Orange is the New Black question so fucking quick. And I thought, yeah, I'll take that. The gay on the chase. Uh, and so did the name me, of my say. memoir, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the gay on the chase. Aren't they all? So, um, <laughs> <aren't> they? <laughs> what about the weakest link? When, when, when the weakest link um, has been on for ages. When I you know. Like... I was nineteen. Wow. I was foolish. How, did, thought, how far did you get in the weakest link? Second round. Well, it's not yeah. very good, is it? But it was a three-way... T- no, it's, <laughs> it's not, not very really good. good. <laughs> it could arguably scarcely be worse. Uh, only by one round. Um, it was a three-way tie. Right. And um, uh, uh, I wasn't the weakest link, but the guy who'd, who had initially voted... For, you could probably can't even fucking remember how it works, can you? It was ages ago. But uh, the the guy who was the strongest link has to decide yeah. who gets voted off and he had initially voted for me. So. Them's the breaks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you get a signed photo of uh, Anne Robinson? No. Oh. No, but I tell you, Bradley Walsh is much nicer than Anne Robinson. Is he? Yeah. yeah. She, doesn't, she didn't talk at all, apart from when the cameras were on. Yeah, she, was she wasn't very good, I didn't think, at that job. No. It was all fed to It was clearly fed to her. And if anyone, when you got comedians on, they would talk back at her and she had nothing. Mm. Okay. Although she did say of one of the women who voted me off, um, which uh, th- these days I'm much more of a feminist and have more complicated feelings about this, but she said, um, why Grace? And this woman went to answer and she went, is it because she's younger than you and prettier than you? And I was like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Anne. <laughs> 
I think we all know it was. Uh, <laughs> the other the thing I nearly went for was you were the bartender at Sheffield University. <laughs> I that was. was that was the, that was my, my sins. <laughs> yeah. How long did you work at the bar at Sheffield University? Um, I lived in Sheffield for three years, wow. and I was probably there. It was at least a year. Yeah. yeah. Bartender is like overstating what oh, I did. Okay. Um, there was a job called. I worked in the club nights, which yeah. was between 10 p.m. and uh, like 4 a.m. And there was a job you could do um, called Collect, which was um, I would go onto the dance floor, the sticky dance floor of the Sheffield Students' Union Bar, and I would pick up the discarded plastic glasses wow. that students had had their one pound vodka and coke in. Wow. And um, I volunteered for that job a lot because a lot of those students would just, uh, they'd drop a lot of money on the floor. <laughs> so the least I ever made in a night was 80 quid. Wow. And the most I ever made was 130 quid. I'm talking about, like, paper money. I'm yeah. not talking about, like, you know, coppers. Wow. You know. Sheffield if University. I ever saw anyone dropping it, I'd be like, you dropped your money. But, yeah. if, but most of the time, you'd just see it on the ground. More fucking money than cents. That is amazing. And all the student loans and stuff. I suppose, yeah, I you, well, we got, we're so in debt, we might as well just throw this money away. It's basically, it's basically yeah. worth it. You know. Let's yeah. give it a... And also, you could probably drink any free drinks that were left over just in the... <laughs> you could drink the dregs of the, and yeah. lick, lick the booze off the floor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Probably some peanuts on the floor you absolutely. could eat. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Money and E. coli, that's what I got out of that. Yeah. <laughs> So you've got, I mean, it's an interesting career. You've got an interesting job you've got. That's and it three does, things. That is does, an interesting career. It is, but it's, how, do you, how did it begin? How did the, I mean, I, it's not, I mean, I'm not that into music, right? And I say, you know, why do you do music? We've got words now. So just, just do the, just, if you want to say something, just tell people what it is. Yeah. Don't have to sing it. Yeah. I'm not in here singing what I want to say, am I? I'm just... I just say with the words yeah, what sure. I want to say. Yeah. So that's my first question. A lot of people would argue I barely sing as well, to be honest. There's very so, little music involved why in don't you, yeah, you do, but I, I like your stuff because there's lots of words in it. Thank you. And they're clever words. Thank you. And they're funny. And you're, it's, you're funny as well as being quite serious about a lot of things as well. What I'd also say, I'll, I'll let you talk in a second. <laughs> After I, people will come to me for my musical opinion. Uh, there's a lot of songs that are very sweet and uh, love songs, not necessarily romantic love songs. There's a lovely one about your niece. That's a beautiful, very sweet song. Mm. Uh, the Black Tie one we were talking about backstage, which is a beautiful song. It's about sort of longing for the well, not longing for the past, like defeating your enemies and, and <laughs> well, becoming a better person and being able to tell your teenage self about that. That's a very sweet and moving, beautiful song. Thank you. You do a lot of political stuff as well. Yeah. How'd you get? How'd you get into all of this? singing stuff well um all this singing stuff um i um i started playing the guitar when i was 13 mm. um as a way to impress girls <laughs> <laughs> and it uh it's, it's been 27 years and it's not worked yet, so uh, uh, it certainly didn't work at the time but uh, i was in a band with three uh boys at school and we were united only by that being our shared goal, was to right. impress girls. It was a fucking dreadful band. Uh, and, um, and what yeah. kind of music was that? Because it, well, oh, it's, it's hard to describe. Well, what was the genre of music of that oh, band? It, it, we thought it was rock. Right. <laughs> um, but it was probably like, oh, I don't know, a poor man scouting for girls. <laughs> and that's um, a poor man. Isn't yeah, it? isn't um, that scouting for girls? That's a bloody poor man. 
Um, but I, and then I, um, I, yeah, I just sort of kind of always wrote songs, and then I started, I started, um, started writing about politics. Yeah. Uh, in 2010, uh, around about May the 8th, 2010, <laughs> um, when uh, we got this fantastic Conservative government uh, came in. and um, So you are about 20 then, were you? Or was it not, um, 23, 24, 24, yeah. Um, so, and then, and it's funny because it wasn't, a, a, yeah, I didn't intend really to be, a, be a, a political artist and certainly didn't intend to be a protest singer, which is the thing that I get called the most. Um, but... Um, I think I just never, like a lot of us, had never, I've never had that much to complain about before, before that. Yeah. You know, I'm white and I'm able-bodied and I'm cisgendered and I came from a very, very middle-class background where my family certainly were amazing about me being gay and I never had any issue, I never had any kind of reason to suspect that would ever be an issue. And then in 2010, the, the government, the Tories got in and, and uh, Theresa May famously was um, made the Home Secretary and she was made the Minister for um, Women and Equalities. Yeah. Um, despite not being fond of either, <laughs> I don't think. Uh, and, um, uh, uh, and, and so I just, I, I just I wrote a song in response to that because it was the first time I'd ever really thought... And it's, it, 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 I actually find it a little bit sort of... Um, vulgar now that how, like how privileged and sheltered a life I've had that it took me until my early 20s before I was like oh you know I'm actually I'm actually a minority here and this you know this the rights that I have as a gay person and as a woman uh I don't you know they weren't always there people yeah. people went before me and fought and, and died for them and there will always be people trying to take them away and Theresa May um if you don't know has uh, voted against LGBT legislation or abstained on it uh, at every opportunity in her career and certainly had done at the point at which she became um, Minister for Women and Inequalities. And so I had a sort of quite visceral reaction to that. I was like, oh, you know, the person who's in charge of my liberties, actually, as a gay person, is someone who is has used her power to be homophobic. And that yeah. was the first time I thought, um, you know, that, that this, the, 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 you know, the politics of what's going on can actually affect my life, you know, as a gay person, politics in this country has changed in such a way that affects my actual rights, you know, mm-hmm. as, a, as a citizen. So I wrote a song, kind of dashed off this song that was like a bit of a political rant um, called Farewell to Welfare. And I didn't um, think anything of it, really. And then the first time I played it at a gig, people started coming up to me and saying... Um, Oh, you're you're a protest singer, and you're like a female Billy Bragg, and uh, and then I started sort of getting more into politics, and yeah. Now I wish I never fucking had. <laughs> God, aren't you're things aren't things awful? <laughs> yeah, no, I well, I got into it thinking it's funny. I was I said I was like twenty two, twenty three, uh, and I was like, you know, ah. Oh. Because it was around that time that we were like, you know, marching loads. The student marches were going on all the time, and 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 we were having um, occupations. You know, remember we occupied St Paul's, and I remember thinking like, wow, you know, this is it. My generation is is going to save the world, and uh, and we didn't. Uh, <laughs> and and I thought, you know, I started writing songs, thinking, oh, I'll, I'll be able to make my songs will make Britain a better place. And uh, and I think if anything, I've made things worse. Yeah. <laughs> things are just going from bad well, to I, worse. I did hit the moustache about the same time, which is about trying to get people to vote and to stop right wing politics. And yeah. 
that didn't work either. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's it, best just not to do anything. Keep our mouth shut. I reckon so, I think yeah. just saw the poster, thought, oh, they're like that. Look, that guy should come back. It was good. <laughs> so I missed, we missed him. <laughs> Basically, Nazism was dead till I brought it back. <laughs> I'm delighted about that. Um, but, you know, I think, there, I think there was quite an apathetic... I mean, maybe I'm an older man looking at... There was quite an apathetic generation of young people, and I think, like, it's interesting that now that the world... I think, the, I think things are definitely turning and changing, and that's part of that yeah. process of the whole, you know, the, the, the uh, evolution, the rebellion, the Extinction Rebellion. Yeah. Um, you know, that is, could be a massive movement. The problem is, you know, kids, young people, really feel strongly about stuff, and then, you know, people don't take them seriously necessarily, mm. as we've seen with Greta, and, and then they get older and then they have to do, earn money and things. And, it, and you know, so it's, 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 a, it's a difficult thing to keep that process going, I think, but I, I think, think it is changing. I think so, but also, I don't know, like, I, I, I'm sort of relentlessly optimistic about things. Um, you shouldn't be, it's really I, bad. It, I know, yeah, I can't <laughs> stop. Um, but, I, I mean, it does, it seems to be the case that... Um, Political engagement, it seems to be much more widespread among children than yeah. it was when I was... Yeah. I mean, I remember, like, I sort of ma- marched out of... What a fucking obnoxious little... I marched out of school against the Iraq war. And, uh, and, and the, you know, I was very much in the minority there. You know, I think there was, like, me and about sort of ten other kids from yeah. my school um, did that. Uh, but whereas, like, you know, now... They're all, they're all like walking, you know. It's like widespread walk at school walk. There's one tomorrow, isn't there? There is one tomorrow. Um, and uh, and it seems to be much more. But the stakes are higher, you yeah. know, because um, the world's ending. <laughs> <laughs> so I think if you were a kid now, you must be like, well, this isn't. F- I want to live. Yeah. Well, hopefully, <laughs> I, I mean, I hope that will come. You know, it may come too late. It's sort of weird. I think with all these things, you get a, a pendulum swing, mm. and as something's dying, and I think that sort of old school world is dying, but, it, yeah. but then the death throes of it can make it survive a little bit longer than it would have done. And in yeah. this case, it could, you know, that, that uh, ignoring of all those issues, and basically everything you're talking about. Um, is uh, is the problem, but I think it does. Then the next generation does then react against that, so the pendulum swings the other way. So if there's time, I think yeah. it'll be okay. It's just a question of whether there's time to sort out these yeah, problems. Yeah, that's it. But um, but I, th- I mean, I think you know the, we're see- the backlash that we're seeing now against like all manner of social issues that uh, you know. This, uh, I think in the last kind of six to twelve months, the amount of like high-profile homophobic attacks and stuff that have been in the in the press and the things that people are sort of alla- not allowed to say but choosing to say about gay people and about trans people and, and queer people in general you know really I feel like Britain is, is more homophobic and queerphobic in general than it was five years ago and that's a strange like feeling yeah, to have yeah, because it's, it's, it's just uh, you sort of see things slipping in the wrong direction yeah and I don't, yeah, don't really know what to do. Yeah, with. I mean, I think someone, I, I was thinking about this, and I think someone being homophobic, and it, you see this through lots of different areas, but basically all the people who are homophobic are all dicks. Uh, it's basically just the signal. It's just the, it's the one thing that's consistent between all of them. Yeah. Like extreme, you know, ISIS, uh, <laughs> the Conservative Party. If you took out... They want to basically get rid of all homosexual people, but if you got rid of all the homophobic people... We'd I mean, be having if, a lovely time, I mean, what we? a world it would be. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, if you got rid of all the heterosexual people as well, on top of that, it might even be better. I'm, I'm doing, but... doing my best. <laughs> but, but I think the gay agenda. I think that's it, you know, I think that's... I mean, if you definitely had the choice, if the emergency question was, would you rather destroy... I know which way you're going on this question, but some of my guests... Would you rather have all homosexual people or, or homophobic people wiped out? I think, I think homophobic would be best out of those two. That's just my ideal. <laughs> I've just... It's pretty uh, edgy of you. <laughs> it's pretty edgy. But it, what a world edgy it comic. What a world. Or maybe just 50-50, you know, just random... Then it would make just take yeah one of one one in two of each of them would go and then you say to those right just pack it in (laughs) or the rest of you will die as well and then that'll really confuse everyone yeah because I mean the homophobic people would be quite glad that half the homosexual people were already dead but then they go oh but I could go next you know I'm not a politician (laughs) I maybe don't have all the answers it has sort of got. It sort of got more confusing because, I mean, it's a very... I mean, the trans thing and the, and the uh, gender-neutral thing, I think it's a very hard thing to talk about, right? I tweeted of what I thought was a very blank tweet about it. I thought, just, this, is, this won't get me into trouble. This is the least thing we can all agree. And then I just got a day of shit from, like, you know... The, from, I've had shit from both sides of every, nearly every argument, I have to mm-hmm. say, because people will... <laughs> reading what they want to do but do you think people are just it becomes very difficult to discuss some of these issues because you're afraid of what the reaction will be from either side you know you know what i mean so if you if you nail your colors to a mast or even a little bit then you can get like you know i found it very upsetting a that people who are calling themselves feminists could be like basically nazis uh, and b that you know you're just getting this relentless barrage of stuff do you think that's... You know, we, we want to be able to talk about it. And we want to... Aren't we... I think people are afraid of saying the wrong thing. Yeah. And so sure. they don't say anything. Yeah, I think so. But, but also, when you, when you say... Talk about it... Mm. Uh, invariably, we don't mean talk about it. We mean tweet about it. Yeah. And write about it in the newspapers. Do you sure. know what I mean? And yeah. it's, oh, I'm not allowed to say anything in my nationally syndicated column <laughs> uh, in a national newspaper... Um, but I think, like, tw- I mean, Twitter is so bad. Yeah. You know, and I'm, and I, I'm still on it every day. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so, ba- it's so bad, and I think it's really... Um, social media in general, I think it's just, it's just like... Um, people talk about the f- effect of it being an echo chamber, but I think it's, it, the power it's, it has to distort is much bigger, I think, than the power it has to affirm. Because I think, you know, I've had conversations... I, I mean, like, I've, I've spoken a lot about trans rights and, the, and spoken out against transphobia a lot. And a lot of the reason that I have done that is because I felt like I was put in a position where I kind of had to, because um, as a lesbian, as a butch lesbian, and somebody talks a lot on stage about being uh, both of those things, um, a lot of the kind of transphobic... Uh, argument that was being put across was, in my view, fraudulently sort of claiming to speak for butch lesbians. It was like, oh, you know, trans people are the erasure of butch lesbians, you know, uh, it, it, there's, there's, there's people, there's, there's roaming groups of trans activists who are going out and they're m- meeting young lesbians and they're telling them that they're actually trans men and that is not happening at all. There's no evidence for that whatsoever. Um, but it, it, because we still don't actually have very many kind of butch lesbians in uh, 
positions of sort of public life or whatever, um, I, I think it is sort of our responsibility. It's incumbent on us if we have a platform of any size, I think, to sort of use it to say, well, actually, these people don't speak for me, these people that are claiming that yeah. they do speak for me. So I sort of got involved in just saying, I'm, by the way, I'm not transphobic and don't assume that I am. And it's quite a sad state of affairs, I think, that a lot of trans people were quite relieved. A lot of trans people in my, among my audience were quite relieved because they were like, oh, you know, these days a lot of butch lesbians seem to be really transphobic and I don't think that's actually true at all. I think it's just that, that effect of social media where the uh, loudest voices are saying the craziest things. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's the only reason I, I sort of got involved in, in talking about it and um, I've just had so much shit on, yeah. on the internet. I bet. Um, from uh, transphobic "Quote unquote feminists um, <laughs> who are uh, are very upset with me for not wanting to um, oppress trans people, and and it, and it is it's just really I I do find it very disingenuous because when I have spoken to people in real life, I've had people come up to me at gigs and talk to me in real life and say, well I, I'm not sure about this trans thing and this this trans stuff, and actually I think have you thought about this and have you thought about that? And when you actually have a conversation with them." a real conversation where there's a real human being on the other side of the words yeah. and you can see their face reacting and you can think, oh, this is actually a person that I'm talking to. Um, surprisingly, <laughs> it, you get a lot further with actual dialogue and actual discussion. And, I, and I've sort of, I think I've managed to kind of change a few people's minds about it. And you just don't, in my experience, you just don't have that option on Twitter. You know, people are, no. I'm amazed, constantly amazed, actually, at how little empathy there is there anymore you know people straight away just going in for things that you and and i think we're we're quite quick to dismiss it as trolling you know it's like there's at the moment there's this campaign like oh don't feed the trolls don't engage with the trolls but trolling is quite a different thing i think i'm worried about real people who are not trolls who just actually when they're typing something out and pressing send they're saying things to you they would never say to you in real life no you know what i mean yeah, I think there's a real, like, empathy deficit there. Yeah, but it also just, you know, on a subject that you might be, like, somewhere in the middle or you're, not conf- you're confused about it, if you get, like, a load of hassle about something really tiny, you think, well, I don't like any of those pricks, you know, I'm going to mm. now completely go the other way. It's a, it's a very... Um, so, you know, it's not a good way to argue. It's not a good way to make anyone come around to your point of view to, no. to just barrage them with, mm. you know, that's wrong because of this, 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 and, you know... Uh, it does. It, it sort of seems weird to me. I, lo- I do really love this. Uh, the black tie. Vi- the song's great. Mm. It's got this. Thank you. you you've got, it, and it's I was got, like, mm, it is. It is. It is. And <laughs> it's one of my songs. If you haven't seen it, it's all. It's you know, just uh, it's on YouTube and have a look at it. The video's lovely as well. And I think, and I was saying to backstage, I think it's although it's very much about your experiences, you know, talking to your year eleven self, and mm. you know, everything's going to be all right. I think most people at school felt they were some kind of a freak or, some, or were abnormal in some way or they mm. thought everyone else was having a great time and they're having a terrible time. It really, you know, I think it's just a very moving song about adolescence and the, and the way Thank we you. grow up and, and we accept it. It also does have a fantastic line. Uh, <laughs> a fantastic rhyme, which I'm sure you get uh, said to you all the time. Uh, the images that fucked you were a patriarchal structure. That is a... Yeah. That is a <laughs> That's a pretty good rhyming couplet, yeah, I have to much. say. Yeah, <laughs> I, did, a I did have a biscuit when I wrote that. 
<laughs> thought, nice one, Petrie. But, you know, it's, uh, what you see in the video is you, you've, you've got, you do a, 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 a ball with... Uh, so, yeah, a, so it's, well, it's like a, it's a, it's a prom. Prom, that's the idea. Call, yeah. I mean, it's an American word, obviously, but, um, yeah, I was... I, like, well, I wore a dress to my yeah. actual prom. Yes, I was 16, and it yeah. was, like, the worst night of my life. Um, and I just felt... Uh, all it's like all of the normal layers of feeling horrible because you're 16 and that's a horrible thing to be sorry if there's any in but it's a horrible <laughs> thing to be isn't it 16 um horrible place to be and um then there was just this awful this layer of i just can't describe how uncomfortable i was it was just dreadful it was like yeah just the worst thing and um and it's funny because I, I think it's... I, I take it as a, as a compliment that people kind of say that it's quite... It's, it, this song describes quite a universal experience because I hope... I mean, that's the hope with it. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, as I was saying to you backstage, like, I was... I saw Hannah Gadsby's show, uh, Nanette, uh, which, if you haven't seen, is absolutely incredible. And it's a stand-up show. Uh, and she is also a butch lesbian. And she talks a lot about being a butch lesbian and the experience of being a butch lesbian in a, in a world that um, is not set up for um, my people. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, that changed my life, actually, that show. It changed my whole, the whole way that I see myself on stage and in the world. And it really sort of made me realise that I've been kind of apologising for myself and apologising for the way I look. And, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, at gigs, I used, to, I used to start my gigs by saying... Um, I had a joke at the top of my gigs that was like, uh, the, the, the Guardian have called me a powerful songwriting voice and the Telegraph have called me a, a whining folk singer and the EDL have called me a smelly leather, uh, and uh, and there's truth in all three. And and I and for years that was my open. That's how I opened shows. And then I realised. And Hannah Gatsby's got this line in in this show where she talks about how um, <coughs> being self-deprecating uh, when you're it's something to do with self-humiliation on stage. And how she was like, I'm not going to humiliate myself on stage because I realised I was humiliating anyone in the audience who identified with me. And that was an immensely powerful moment for me because I realised that I have, you know, all my life I've been doing this thing where I have this insecurity about the way that I look and the way that I dress and the, the presentation that I have. And, you know, I was like 30 when I saw that show. So, you know, I think, I, I think everyone probably does have this kind of adolescent experience, but I do think those of us who sort of don't look the way that society is set up to expect or want us to look... You know, it's, you just carry it around for much, much longer. Um, and, I, you know, I, that sh- seeing that show was absolutely life-changing for me. And then also turning 30 was a bit of a, I don't know, there's something quite liberating about being like, I can't fucking worry about this anymore. Yeah. You know, I might not, I don't know how long I've got left. <laughs> um, so, I wrote, so I wrote this song as, like a, as a, like a letter to my teenage self. Yeah. And then when it was written, we were like, well, what if we took that idea of this horrible prom experience and actually do something to try and sort of reclaim that experience or like exercise that demon a little bit of that memory. So we rented a hall and I put this call out to sort of like young, uh, young fans, young listeners and, uh, loads of like queer fans came and it was like loads of girls in tuxedos and like, um, loads of 
you know, well, everyone, every possible sort of gender expression you can imagine in every uh, possible kind of clothing. And it was really, it was really, really beautiful. It yeah. really, it felt, it felt lovely. And then it sort of intercut with scenes of me in a dress. Yeah. Uh, as you look adult. really good in that as well. So yeah, you should thanks. go back. You yeah. should go back to that look. Yeah, it's well, it's funny because my mum, uh, <laughs> my mum really agrees with you, Richard. And upon viewing the video, indeed, texted me so. So really, uh, really getting but, that, really know, getting but, that point home. But it does, you know, because I think because it's, it, it is that. I think any teenager has been through something, and I, I totally take on board what you're saying. Mm. But I think then to, to watch a video of other people who don't have the same experience as you, and I think it just does absolutely bring home, you know, these are just vulnerable young people like you were who have, yeah. you know want to be themselves, and then there's you being turning that into a massive positive. It's a, it's it's a it's a really fantastic piece of work. Thank you. Um, and, it, and everyone must see it. And it's got that fantastic line in it as well, as many others as well, I have to say. I anyway. just had to do that on Radio 2 last week. Oh, did you? Yeah, and it was like before the watershed. Right. And, um, and, this, and <laughs> I was just on Radio 2 last week. <laughs> no, it's like the only fucking time I've ever been on anything mainstream ever in my life. And, uh, and they, did, they requested that I sing Black Tie. Right. I was like, is, is it got to be Black Tie? Can I sing anything else? Because that line, the images that fucked you are a patriarchal structure, is in the chorus. It's really prominent. And it's funny because I found, I found a tweet that I wrote immediately after I wrote the song saying, um, oh, I've just, I've just written a chorus that contains the line, the images that fucked you are a patriarchal structure. So guess it's goodbye to the mainstream. And then two years later, I've got to sing it on fucking radio too before nine o'clock. So I changed it to the images that struck you which I think we can all agree <laughs> makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Right, let's ask you this. Is Leicester as shit as it seems? Fuck you. 
Um, to the casual observer just passing through and yeah. seeing it just being really shit. Is it really like well, that? Why don't you it... ask King Richard III, mate? Uh, <laughs> I did, and he didn't He'd like rather it. stay here than in fucking let me, York. Let me... <laughs> rather be here with his murderers. Um, <laughs> I love Leicester. Yeah, I, I absolutely, what... unironically love Leicester. Tell me what's the good things yeah. about Leicester to make up for uh, my prejudice. Yeah, all right, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Your little hot rod. <laughs> is that what I mean? Yeah, I don't think I don't so. Know. I liked it, whatever it's a car, it was. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> hot head, <laughs> pipsqueak. I don't know what I'm going for. Um, it's got the um, largest uh, covered outdoor market in Europe. Yeah. Thank you. It's got the largest, longest, uninterrupted uh, row of terrace houses. Tudor Road! <laughs> And then we all killed him. Um, uh, 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 it's got the largest comedy festival outside Edinburgh. That's true. Um, and, well... Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was doing all right, mate. Uh, uh, Gary Lineker, Walker's Crisps, Engelbert yeah. Humperdinck. Football, um, foot, won the football Football, that there was that time we were good at football for a bit. I think, I think less... It's fun. I think Leicester might have won the Premiership the year that York City got relegated out of the Football League. Yeah. I, think that's, I think that might be the case. Those bones are magic. Yes. Um, um, Attenborough Art Centre, absolutely, yeah. yes. Okay. Um, where tonight I'm promoting a gig that I decided not to go to because <laughs> you asked me to do this. So uh, um, That's true, actually. Um, but, uh, no, it's, it's always the... just been a, it's been a, it's been a great... It's d- done great things for me, this city. Love it. Yeah. The largest freestanding bit of Roman building. Yeah. Jury wall. Yeah. <laughs> so the front row. I'm, 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 most... I'm not a tour guide. You know, I was. I don't know all of this. I shit. was reading about it in the car on the way up, and then I went. I drove past it, and I was really excited. <laughs> <laughs> so Leicester has changed for me. It's got, Le- the, it's got the oldest gay bar in Britain. Has it? Has indeed. Yeah, yeah David Castle. Um, saw someone get glassed there the other night <laughs> so I wouldn't necessarily recommend it at this point in time but uh, you know win some lose some ok I'll ask you an emer- I'm going to ask you a random emergency question we did some okay. backstage quite oh, this is. This. I, mean, I always I would like for you nearly everyone I do this to I just get just disgusting rude things come up when I do this for you everyone I've asked you so far has been quite philosophical oh. what is the most beautiful thing you've ever destroyed <laughs> <laughs> oh god have you ever had a... Have you Several ever... relationships. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the most beautiful thing that I've ever destroyed. Have you ever smashed a musical instrument in a fit of peak? I've not, you know. No? No, I'm not really rock and roll enough for that. Um, uh, I'm not sure what I've destroyed. On my... Um, when I was... On, <laughs> this, is, this doesn't qualify as beautiful at all. Okay. Um, but when I was on my... Um, I was out celebrating my A-level results night and um, celebrating was not really necessary but <laughs> overstating <laughs> it a bit to have a celebration on those results but um, I, was, I got pissed and I thought it would be uh, a really good idea to see if my Nokia 3310 would ring if I put it in a pint Okay. and it did <laughs> and then the next day my phone was fucked oh. And that's why I didn't do too well in my A-levels, guys. <laughs> Not a very smart guy. Nokia... Yeah, I don't think I've destroyed anything um, no. very, very beautiful. Well, Nokia's, you know, Nokia, Pretty, the yeah. Nokia scientists Connecting would be annoyed people. to hear that you 
yeah. don't consider their phone a beautiful thing. You can play Snake they, on that. Are they you? still alive? I mean, do you still get Nokias? I think uh, Nokia... Is... Maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe I felled them all with You've that got... one act. So maybe it did destroy it did. something quite profound. And if you had to uh, have... If you could go to any art gallery museum in the world and take one item and own it, is there anything you would so, like? This is the one I was really hoping you wouldn't ask me. Oh, really? I thought I got out of this because... Yeah, because oh, I don't I can't really ask. say you've already... That was last week, though, so <laughs> you came When in. I was here last week watching you interview <laughs> yeah. Jenny Eclair. It's wearing a different jumper, so, you know, explain that. Um, explain that. There's no explanation. Yeah. Um, the two questions you asked her last week yeah. were the ones I was hoping you wouldn't ask me. OK, well, that's the other one. one. I've got the next question lined up. Um, um, I don't know fucking anything at all about art. It doesn't have to be art. It can be anything. It can be like something yeah. from the, you know, it can be just like something from a museum of anything, like a, an artifact. Museum I mean, I of would anything. Ta- I would take, I, would, I, I really like the Lewis chessmen, the chess pieces that were found on the Isle of Lewis. And they're in the Museum of Scotland, I think some of the British Museum. I've got like pretend ones. I mean, they're worth a bit, but they're not like the most valuable thing. But I just would like a real one. Fair play. Yeah. So there could be um, stuff like that. Yeah. Could be um, um, a. I'll go with your answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like something from the Petrie. This is a real thing. Yeah. The Petrie Museum of Egyptian Archaeology. Okay. Just because I'm uh, a collector. Okay. <laughs> I want all the things with my name on. Okay. I'll take everything out of there. It's, it's my museum. I opened it. Okay, that's I didn't know about yeah. the Petrie. But like it's anything not... from ancient Egypt would be fucking great. Like having a man yeah. having a mummy. To, uh, can I have two uh, Tutankhamun's mask? Yeah. I'll to... take that. You can have everything in there. Thank God I did year five, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Got me out of that hole. (laughs) My daughter is four, and she says she wants to be a rock star. Oh, right. And she said this morning, she said, are you allowed to do two jobs? And we said yes, and she said, I'd like to be a rock star. Sometimes it's necessary. (laughs) She'd like to be... (laughs) I'd like to be a rock star and a teacher, she said. So she's going to be a teaching rock star. What advice would you give to my... Four-year-old daughter who currently cannot play any musical instruments. Okay. Um, in becoming a rock star, is it a good idea to become a rock star? Would you advise someone no. to go into that um, that world? I, uh, it is what it is. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, uh, yeah, it's, I, I'm very lucky that I get to do what I do. The advice that I would give to anyone embarking on this life um, is: you owe it to yourself to. Stay in premier inns and not travel lodges. <laughs> the, no, the, there is a world of difference. There is. The, differ, the difference in... You can back They're me absolutely up on Absolutely, 100% behind you. The, but the difference in price versus the difference in experience. I'm not, like, working for them, for premier inns. <laughs> We're sitting in very premier inns. I fucking would. These if are very premier, premier inns. wanted to sponsor my... T- absolutely, See, yeah. If Premier Inn wanted to sponsor me, yeah. I would, I would, I would renounce my politics in a heartbeat. Lenny Henry's um, got it so, yeah. no, sewn um, up. Lenny Henry. Uh, that's what I'd say genuinely. Yeah, yeah. go for Premier Inn over Travelodge. It's very good. Yeah. I mean, I've said this many times, but I stayed at Travelodge in Cambridge, and there was someone else's bogey on the shower curtain, yeah. and that was the moment. And I didn't. I, mean, I just pushed the shower curtain away and had a shower. Uh, I didn't I touch it. I was on tour with Robin Ince and yes. Josie Long, and we stayed in a, in a travel lodge. I can't remember where it was. I think it was in Hull. And, um, and that is bleak. You haven't heard the half. <laughs> uh, and Robin went to his room, Josie went to her room. Their rooms were really near the reception. And mine was like down a corridor and then left and then down another corridor. Ages and ages and ages. It was in like the furthest room away. And the curtains were drawn when I got in because it was after a gig. And um, 
I was just like getting, you know, getting ready for bed and stuff. And I just heard this um, platform four for the 1134. <laughs> to, and I opened the curtain and it was, it was on the fucking platform. It was, like a, it was in a train station. <laughs> and that was like the last train of the night. And if I hadn't heard that, I would have been woken up at like five in the morning when all the trains... So I went down to the reception and I said, um, have you got another room? And they were like, yeah, sure, is there a problem? I was like, yeah, it's in a fucking train station. And they were like, yeah. And they had another room. I was like, did you think I just wasn't going to know? So there you go. Premier Inns, guys. Some people like this. As Johnny Donahoe says, everything's Premier but the Inn. Yeah. You could just climb out the window and get your train. Well, I was driving, mate. So, uh, you know... Well, let's, you do, let's talk about that, because there's been a, cross, a big crossover with comedy in your... I mean, there, there's a lot of wit in your songs, but you've been touring with Josie and Robin, and you've done a lot of work with the Guilty Feminist yes, podcast. Yeah, yeah. So how, how, how did that come about, that you started working I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I was... Um, I've sort of started to get somewhere in music, uh, finally, after a lot of a long, long... Long few years of trying and not really getting anywhere. And for a long time, I was like better known in comedy than I was in music. Um, but I'd have to preface every gig with, <laughs> did you know that I'm not a comedian? <laughs> um, which people always, it's a dreadful thing because you say that and people laugh. <laughs> and they think it's a bit. And then you have to be like, no, no, I'm not a comedian. Mm. And then they look a bit panicked. And um, that's <laughs> what happened when I was, Yeah, that's what happened when I was on tour with Josie. Um, but I think so I met Josie at Glastonbury um, in 2010 and uh, like I said the government had just changed and I'd just written this song about it and I was sort of doing political stuff we met we were on both on Billy Bragg's uh, left field stage and we just got on and uh, she's she's great isn't she and um, she brought me on tour with her and I think Robin saw me at the same gig so he brought she brought me on tour sort of I think that that year, and he brought me on tour the next year. Um, and then I just kind of started... The, I, I, w- I would never describe what I do as, as comedy at all. Um, but because I've, it's so different playing to stand-up audiences versus playing to, to music audiences, especially at that point in my career when I was really just doing like quite noisy pub shows where you're just used to people kind of talking over you and you really got to sort of work to get everyone's attention. And then when I was touring with Josie... You know, went out there. Obviously, it was like a theatre. It was just like this. Went out and, the, and uh, she introduced me and I came on stage and everyone just sat there, um, you know, arms folded, just listening very politely. Um, and I wasn't used to it at all. And I just did my songs. And uh, to use what I believe to be a, a comedy parlance, <laughs> um, I died on my arms. <laughs> uh, and they absolutely hated it. And I rem- I'll never forget, there was a guy in the front row and uh, and... He just, like, the moment I came out with the guitar, he just folded his arms, looked really uncomfortable, and never stopped looking uncomfortable for the whole thing. Um, so the next night, I just, uh, I just tried to sort of tell a joke before I did anything. Um, and there was, I could feel this real, like, audible sigh of relief from the audience, because I think, obviously, you know... I, I sort of come out, and I'm obviously like a lesbian with an acoustic guitar and Doc Martens, and, they, and you know, I think they thought I was going to fucking burn my bra on stage or something. <laughs> so, and I was going on and about social, fucking social justice, never stop banging on about social justice. So, and I think that, you know, like, there's a bit of a stereotype that that could be quite humorless and quite worthy. So, uh, I think stand up audiences, 
you just you get a lot more from them if you just can kind of go just make put them at ease by saying i'm not i'm not taking myself too seriously like i'm going to talk about austerity and i'm going to talk about homophobia and i'm going to talk about all these really heavy topics but like you know the the overall <laughs> aim is to entertain you yeah. ultimately um so i started doing that and then by the end of the by the end of the tour we were on tour together for three months and by the end of the tour i got quite comfortable kind of talking talking to an audience um, and now I've just been very, very, very fortunate that I've kind of I've got a little bit of a foot in both camps because yeah. I think for a lot of years the sort of level that I was working at I wouldn't have been able to make a living from either music gigs or comedy gigs but I was I was kind of doing enough of both to sort yeah. of keep me afloat. So yeah, I think it's, it's I'm like a I'm I'm, I'm like sort of funny for a musician <laughs> and I'm sort of a good singer for a stand-up. Yeah. Well, a lot, of the, a lot of the 70s... Comedians. The Lib Dems of no. entertainment, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> what a thing I just thought <laughs> But that was in the 70s. That was, I mean, that's sort of where a lot of the... I mean, Billy Connolly and Mike Harding... Sure. I mean, they, the, the, the stand-up bits got longer and the, the music mm. got shorter. I don't think they're necessarily as good as musicians as you, but it was... It was I mean, they were still good, but um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting way to go. And do you feel? Because I, I get a sense that you feel you don't kind of fit into any kind of genre yeah. or, or anything you're doing with your music. Yeah. I remember I thought there was a lovely thing about saying that you know you're doing politics in folk music. It's fine if you're doing about the peasants' revolt, but they don't want to hear about politics Absolutely, now. Yeah. Which you know, so presumably whoever did those folk songs about the peasants' revolt was hated at the time. <laughs> yeah, shut about the peasants' revolt, mate. Yeah. Talk about 1066. Come yeah. on. They weren't nominated for any folk awards either. <laughs> so yeah, it's, 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 but is that a good thing to not fit into like a, a to um, be a bit of a square peg? I suppose I'm starting to feel like it yeah. is. Yeah, um, I think that I'm. I, I think that I'm very, very lucky to have lived in the time that I live in because um, you know, uh, talking about making your own work, you know, I think that. Because I've had, because I I lived in an age with the internet, I can just publish my own work. I can make my own. I can record my own stuff, and I can release it um, basically without the industry. I've never really had anything to do with the music industry, and the music industry has never really had anything to do with me. Um, and you know, somebody like me, twenty years ago, I'm sure wouldn't have had a career because. Um, you know, in music, certainly, I think it, it, for such a long time it was such a small group of people who were just tastemakers who just had all the power. Yeah. And just, just, you know, they used to be sort of such a... Compared with what we have now, I think there used to be so much of a reduced number of acts who were allowed to sort of be big and be successful. And, you know, they, it was such a small group of people that was choosing who that was going to be. And I have never needed anyone's permission to to you know and, and that's what i think is really beautiful about um finding being able to find your own audience with with the internet and having this incredible tool where we can just make our work and put it out there and you know you you'll find your tribe you know you'll find yeah. the people who like what you do and you know the world's a big fucking place you know and there's a <laughs> and the, most of it's on the internet and they'll find you know enough of them will find what you're doing to kind of keep you afloat um and now, you know, now I'm at this point, I would definitely wouldn't have, wouldn't have done it any other way. You know, when I was sort of in my early 20s, I, the thing that I was desperately, 
you know, aiming for and, and hoping for was to get a record deal. That's desperate. I wanted to get signed and get a record deal. And I've never had any, I've never had a record deal. I've never had any, in, no one's even <laughs> threatened a record deal in my direction. Um, but now I'm really grateful for the way that it's gone because nobody has ever had any creative control over what I'm doing apart from me. I've never had anybody saying, you know, like, can you make it a bit less, you know, gay or a bit less, you know, whatever it might be. <laughs> you know? and, it, and it's funny because, you know, Black Tie, to me, I, it, it was such a, writing that song was such a sort of niche experience. I thought it was such a kind of um, specific story just about my life. And when I wrote it, I thought, you know, it meant a lot to me, but I thought, well, I can't imagine this is really going to do very well. And it's been like the most commercially successful thing that I've ever done, which is funny because I do think, you know, when I think about 20 years ago when it was just record execs with with big cigars, you know, going, hey, kid, I'm going to make you a star. I think, like... It's certainly, I'm, I am assuming, but I think if somebody like me had gone to those people and said, I've written this song about the experience of being a butch lesbian in a patriarchal society, I don't think they would have gone, it's a hit! We've got a hit on our hands! Um, but, you know, so I think it's, it's a beautiful thing to, to be able to sort of be whatever you want. And, and you know, increasingly, I think, in the, in the like, streaming world, you know, we're so obsessed with categorizing things into genres and and I've had a kind of weird time. I mean, I sort of call myself a folk singer, but I absolutely appreciate that most of the folk world considers that to be insulting <laughs> to their work because uh, folk has got a lot of kind of traditional roots, which I'm not really a part of any of that. Everything I do is contemporary. Um, I've, you know, I've been sort of accused of being like a punk singer at points. I've been accused of being, you know, comedic. Um, whatever, and I think, like I said, it's just it's been nice to have a foot in a few different camps, like a spider, <laughs> um, and 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 be able to kind of pull enough people from all of those kind of weird and sure. wonderful worlds to be able to just have this. But it does mean that my my own audience, when I do my my headline shows, I always say that my my audience, because of that, because I've worked in so many different genres. Uh, my audience is a bit like that game you play where somebody draws a head and then you fold over the paper and pass it on to someone else and someone else draws a body and then you fold it over and someone else draws the legs. It's sort of no, there's no like, I have no sort of ideal demographic. But I think yeah. that's amazing. I think that's well, lovely. Is. And it's the same thing, I think, about, you know, that when it is a, a, someone making a decision saying, oh, will people want this? Will ever, you know, actually people want to hear about other people's experiences and yeah. people you know and actually that's interesting if anything's bringing the world together when it's being torn apart is actually if you get to view someone else's life and like you say see them as another person and mm. be able to listen to what they're saying it's sort of interesting to know about someone else's culture or someone else's you know someone from another country yeah. or someone with a different way of looking at the world from you or a different bit you know different internal mechanism to you and so you know people are I think it brings people together, you know. Definitely, and fi- and finding the, you know, like when art is good, <laughs> when it's just universally good, yeah, you know, uh, that it just transcends all of that. I think, and you know, I, th- I mean, I'm just going on about Hannah Gadsby like a fangirl, but you know, that show has just gone incredible. It's taken over the world. Yeah. you know, she just won an Emmy for it last week. Yeah, um, and that, you know, I I think that is interesting that you know something like that 
a story like that told by somebody like her, which is just maybe not something that... Because for such a long time, I think, the, the only, most of the experience that we were seeing reflected anywhere in culture was kind of overwhelmingly straight and overwhelmingly white. I mean, a lot of it is still overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly able-bodied and cisgender and all kinds of things. Um, but now, you know, seeing a story like hers and actually saying, well, look, look how well-received that's been. Look how, much, how successful that's been and how much it's taken over the world. And actually, maybe it's not such a fucking risk to put somebody on TV who doesn't look like everyone else has ever been on TV. Because if it's good, it's, it's clearly not only butch lesbians that's seeing her show. You know, yeah. it's not, I don't think the Emmys are decided <laughs> by the confederation of butch lesbians. Do you know what I mean? I think other people must have clearly liked it and thought it was good for it sure. to do so well. Sure. Well, you know, that's the, hopefully, the, that's the good side of the internet, hopefully. Hopefully it's, you know, you find your audience and then the audience can find you as well. And it's, you know, it is, it is interesting. So you are on tour. You're coming to, I'll mention you're coming to... I'm coming to this very This room. very theatre. Yes. Um, yeah. On the 22nd of May 2020. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time ago. You might, yeah. who knows if we'll Save still be the here date. then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if uh, post-Brexit, Leicester's yeah, the first true. place that's going. I'd yeah. say that's, they're not going to... They're not sending any resources here. There'll be no medicine. The zombie apocalypse will be... I know. I mean, at least you'll be used to it. If we're... If you we're might spared. actually... Leicester might be the one that flourishes. Yeah. Just having lived this, in this terrible situation and then the rest of us won't be able to cope. Leicester go, what's wrong? It's slightly better than it was. I don't have to take this. <laughs> You don't look. It's been fantastic to talk to you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. And Lester should be very proud to have done one good thing, <laughs> <laughs> having created you, ladies and gentlemen. Grace Petrie. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for coming. Tell your friends I'll be uh, up there somewhere after the show. Bye bye. You have been listening to Rallastapa with me, Rich Herring, and my guest, Grace Petrie. Thank you to Pest for providing this music, as always. It's kind of them. They're, they're good-hearted folk. Despite their nasty name, they sound like they're going to be an irritant. No, if anything, quite the opposite. I would also like to thank everyone at the Haymarket Theatre in Leicester. You were lovely. Thank you to everyone at Go Faster Strike. Chris Evans, not that one's the main guy, but his son Ben's a good guy too. So are all the crazy Welsh misfits who help him out from now time to time filming and whatnot. Thank you very much to everyone at ACAST and the British Comedy Guide who have been very supportive uh, over the last few months and years. I will, I'm indebted to my producer on this show, who was, of course, I don't need to tell you, the wonderful James Hingley. Uh, my executive producer, more importantly, was Michael Butler. Thank you for some fantastic notes. And thank you to the series producer, of course, Ben Walker. Um, this is a fast GoFasterStripe.com and GoFasterStripe.com and Sky Potato and Fuzz and Sky Potato production for the internet. If you've enjoyed this, go to rahalasper.co.uk to find out more, become a member, go to richhome.com slash gigs, go to gofasterstrike.com, all the usual places, help us out with a little kickback if you like this start kind of thing, or don't, just tell your friends about the podcast, that'll do, if you like it, if you don't like it, tell your friends as well, because they're probably idiots as well, so I don't want to miss it. Alright, see you later, love you, looking forward to Christmas, bye! Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk.
No, this isn't a podcast about milk. If you like historical intrigue, a bit of culture and a sprinkling of controversy, this one's for you. I'm Rachel Stewart and I'm travelling around Europe, following the hidden history of everyday things as they're exported through time and around the world, by force, by chance or by choice. No need to pack your bags. Just subscribe to Don't Drink the Milk wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Thank you very much for listening to my podcasts. Listen to some more. Tell your friends about these podcasts. We're in a very competitive market. It would be lovely to keep those downloads coming in. The more downloads we get, the more money we make and the more podcasts we can make for you. It's a beautiful symbiotic relationship. Come and see me on tour at richardherring.com. But otherwise, just, you know, go outside. Enjoy the spring air. It's beautiful out there. I love you all. Goodbye.